it is? Yeah. Oh. I just, yes. Well, you. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm guessing you guys, have you guys already prayed in this AA? I'm guessing so. Yeah. Lots of times, so. Pray as much as you want. <laughs> All right. God knows. Um, yeah, I was really excited. Yeah. Um, I know Dr. Lee mentioned it about maybe doing it this time. I was like, oh, it seems like pretty cool. I don't know if it's ever happened since I've been here doing kind of like a spiritual AA stuff. So I was excited when he said it. Um, it was pretty cool to, to be able to take a part of this. So, um, but yeah, so I trying to think and pray, you know, gave some guidelines on it. It's just like, man, what do we, what do we talk about? Cause it's, it's supposed to be helpful for you guys. Um, you know, and I was just praying about it. It's like, God, I think it was just like, just share kind of what I've been through and just kind of like my own walk things that he's changed in my life um, it's like man like what's the point of like trying to put up a facade like we're all going to grow together when it's like and grow in god when we're honest and real um, god gets the glory when it's like hey, this is this is who we are and uh, we are all in need of him and don't do that it's like what's 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 the point of that if we're going to be encouraging one another on and following christ so hopefully you know, this will be, you know, a helpful time period by the end. Um, there'll be some things in it that's like, uh, maybe you guys, many of you already mentally know. Um, I know at times for my life I have, but then going from here down to here about really being like, hey, this is, this is real. And this is what falling, falling is about. Um, so hopefully, you know, there'll be some point during this time that's like, hey, that's real. So I just encourage you, you know, to, to let, let God do that. Um, if there's anything in here, because there'll be a lot of Bible verses, there'll be a lot of things. So that alone, let, let alone me saying anything of some of those verses, can you can let God work in you in your heart. Um, so, sound good? So, first, I was just actually going to tell you a little bit about, about my story um, and who I am. I think testimonies are pretty cool about what God does. So, um, from Oregon originally, I grew up there. My parents were actually missionaries in Japan for a while. They met each other there and got married. Um, and then they came back because they couldn't have kids. And so, they're proud of my brother and I. So, um, grew up in a pretty cool, cool household, at least like they're awesome, you know, Christians and, and did Bible studies with us. Um, but as with any household and with any human being, there's sin and there's <laughs> suffering and um, needs for forgiveness and stuff. So, um, but I was really thankful uh, for that. But like myself, like definitely had my own sins and shortcomings. Um, one big area actually was, you may laugh at, was anger. I was actually like super angry kid. <laughs> like you may maybe like no. Uh, I know, yeah. And like and that's totally like a testimony of like asking God to change me, and he did. Um and yeah, so like man, my brother and I would fight all the time, like tooth and nail. I'd fight him all the time. There's one time I grabbed a hockey stick and he was running down. We had an upstairs that we did like all of our games and playing and stuff. He was running down the stairs, and I was just chasing him with this hockey stick. And he like stopped mid-stairs and just like covered. And I remember just thinking, like, why is he stopping? And I just like whacked him as hard as I could with the cracked open his head right there. And I was just like, did I kill my brother? Like, oh my gosh. Um, and that was like the first time I think I was like, I was still pretty young. I was like eight or nine, but old enough to be like, bad, you know, like what's wrong with me? You know, <laughs> my parents do. I just remember my mom like screaming from the kitchen, like, what are so, uh, but yeah, that's, that's like, that's who I was. And I had, you know, sins and growing up in a household too, where like perfectionism was kind of expected, you know, like, and so I think that's how I grew up. It's just like, this is my facade. Like everything's good. I have everything right. My grades are good. I, I listen and I obey, but then even all those sins can still come out. Um, and other things I dealt with too, that 
that God has been working on and healing me through. So, so yeah, it was like high school time. I got kicked out of soccer games too because I broke cards and stuff. So yeah, a lot of anger. Yeah, like a, a retreat and stuff it was like really like really heard the gospel, which is amazing. It's like I don't know how many times I could have probably you know told you what the gospel was. Also, it's like you know God's like if, if this is true, then this this changes things. And and it was at that moment too that I was just like. I remember thinking that we were like talking about like, Hey, whatever you can ask God, like he'll, he'll do for you. I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't know if I believe that. So, um, but I knew that my anger up and prayed for that. I was like, it changed, which is crazy. I was like, what, you know? And so it's like, I can only give him all my glory. And there are other things I asked for. I think it changed. Um, and that's been a growing process. And you're like, why not there? And I think that's where he's like, you got to trust me in your weaknesses. Cause you know, if he starts doing all those things and it's like, I think he certainly knows how proud I would be. And uh, uh, yeah, still things, but that was just like a life-changing thing. Uh, and then in that sermon too, he said about when John, John goes to, after the resurrection, goes to the tomb. And the Greek word there is called perfecto. And so it's a term that's like, you like thoroughly examine like the toe. And that always makes me think of like now of like patients we have where sometimes you walk in there for like med refill and it's like, everything good, you know, like, <laughs> fine, and then you get a patient in the hospital, and it's like, what the heck is going on, and you, like, examine everything, you're, like, flipping them over, you're, like, I've never flipped over a patient in a year, you know, but you're, like, looking back there, <laughs> looking for everything, you know, and so that's the word, the Greek word, where it's, like, you're examining it from top to bottom and through there, I just remember being so struck by that, because, like, John had been with Jesus all the time, it's, like, when he heard he rose from the dead, he, like, looked, it's, like, oh, yeah, when he rose from the dead, it's, like, examining everything, because it's, like, if he truly rose from the dead, that changes everything. Like, if he's alive right now, everything he said is true. And what am, you know, and I remember thinking, what am I doing with my life then? <laughs> if, if God's alive and he's real, um, you know, why, why am I doing what I'm doing for him? So that was like a huge change. Uh, so, but definitely after that, it's not like everything is, is rosy, as you guys know. There's just been, like, um, my wife and I got married. Um, and then the day after, one of my best men, he committed suicide. And I was like, we we're on our honeymoon. God called. I was just like, whoa, you know. Uh, and so I was like, a really hard part. And that was like, right. first year of medical school. It's like, man, you know. So it was a big wait, kind of a period which back then I denied, but I was depressed and kind of lonely and stuff too. It was like, man, what kind of friend was I that I missed that? And, and so that was like a really, really hard stretch. But God again really used that time to kind of grow and stuff. Uh, and then you know, just different losses and stuff as you guys. You know, here and a lot of you have had even residency too. It's just like life continues, you know, <laughs> like stuff happens. Um, like we had miscarriage, my wife's dad died. Um, and then, um, yeah, just some, some marriage things and just um, a lot of hardships to that at that time. But it's like truly, truly, you know, looking back through that, it's like God has been good and faithful, you know. Um, residency is like a pressure cooker. I think you guys may have noticed that too. It's like, Stuff would come out um it'd be like that's in there or that's not healed you know but it's like when you're under the pressure of the times and everything so um there's definitely things like honestly too it's like in our marriage is like hold on i guess we haven't dealt with that um and so um you know just just different things too and same thing with sins and patterns in my life in ways i'm like man such a people pleaser you know expecting that my identity was based on what other people thought of me i was just living with that but um in the midst of being like, man, residency is hard and difficult at times. It's like God totally used that to be like, hey, this is 
these are areas to grow. So it's like, and again, honestly can say, despite all those hardships and dealing with those things in the healing process, which is hard, it's like, yeah, like my relationship with him now is better than it ever has been um, because of him being good and faithful in the midst of those hardships. And same thing with our marriage, like we're willing to sit down and be like, it's where I'm sinful at and I need help. And same thing, I was like, man, truly today, being willing to be honest and open. It's like our marriage is the best it has been. So it's like, and that's only in God, right? Like there's, there's nothing like all those hardships and things that I've done and gone through. It's like, looking back, it's like, how the heck did that happen? And, um, and truly, truly, again, it's like, he is faithful and good. Um, so that's just like a little bit of the story, but hopefully it's kind of dive in and stuff. It's just like, man, some of this experience, especially in residency and medicine, like life is just a little different. Um, it's like following Jesus is kind of same wherever you go and whatever you do, but in our world of living in residency, in our world of living in medicine, it's, it is a little different environment of, man, how much we are actively giving and doing in the hours, and the hours you guys do especially, you know, like that is, that is a hard and a train on your body and soul. And same thing in the future going forward, it's like all your guys' careers that you're going to be doing and maybe doing missions and overseas or hard work. It's like, okay, how, how do you develop or how do you get in that spot? It's been like, man, my, my relationship with Jesus is secure things are coming up and happening so hopefully we'll kind of dub into that but that's just a little bit of my background story so while we have some heavy stuff i gotta get some funny stuff in so i got, got a couple of dad jokes through here so i love them i can't take credit for any of them so the first one says um so my dog accidentally ate a whole bag of scrabble tiles so i took him to the vet so far no word yet <laughs> uh, my doctor Dr. told was that, that one to I got to tell Doctor Bell that one. My doctor told me I was going deaf. That was hard news to hear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. There'll be a few more through there as we go through. You gotta have miss this. So, um, but yeah. So residency in life and medicine. Um, you know, I talked second. Gotcha. You missed it. Did I miss it? Sorry. Yeah, you missed it. <laughs> I'll say it again. Which makes that joke even Are you hard of hearing? You told me I was deaf. Did you get that one or did you get the Scrabble one? Oh, I got the Scrabble one. Okay, yeah, the other one, my doctor told me I was going deaf. It was hard news to hear. Which is like, you should see your doctor about that. Yeah, so residency and life in medicine. Um, Again, like I think I kind of talked about that a little bit ahead, but yeah, it's stressful and it's, it's, it's a very performative thing. I'm reading a really interesting book now called The Secret Place of Thunder, um, like exchanging our need to be seen for a secret life with Christ. Mm -hmm. and I think that's really huge for me um, and maybe true for a lot of you guys because we're in for a lot of A personality types, like go get them. We're used to being top of the class or, you know, um, generally doing well and stuff. Uh, Western society, American society too, is very performative. Like, how well are you doing? How well are you reaching things? And that determines your worth or your value. Um, and so I think reading that book's been really helpful too, just kind of unpacking that. But even for ourselves, a lot of times, depending on how, how you're doing, is depending on, hey, how was my last rotation? How was my score? How was my, you know, and that reflects on how, how am I as a person? What is my value? And none of that's true, but that's a lot of what happens in, in residency, feels like, or medicine too. So, I feel that too. I'm like, are my patients liking me? I get a bad review on Google. It's like, you know, <laughs> like, but that doesn't, you know, so it's, that's something that's like, I have to deal with myself and say, I'm like, hey, what, why would that bring me down? Um, 
and is that where I'm at? Is that where I'm at? Where it's like my my status and my value is is based on those things, and it's it's not. And so we need to recognize that and be aware of that's that's kind of the culture that we're in generally, and then also within medicine too. So um, even here, and so same thing with having some some deaths like when I did the first year of hospital medicine, um, like you're seeing 15 to 20 on a list. It's like you just get lots of people that die, and that was something that was hard too. It's just like you know, I'm like borderline perfectionist. So it's like anything would happen, I would roll over all night of like, what did I do wrong? What could I do better? And, you know, and I was looking back, I'm like, a lot of that was pride because I feel like I played such a big role. Like we're fighting a losing battle sometimes in medicine of like, who's going to die? <laughs> you know, like we're not going to prevent some of these people. It's like, yeah, they're on there for hospice. It was totally reasonable. But sometimes I'm like, man, what could I have done better? You know, and, and that is coming from a spot of being like, yeah, like, is in charge of this and, and it's God, you know. Um, but I think that's again, that's where sometimes it sits at um, in medicine for us. Um, even Job, like a person's days are determined, you have decreed the number of his months and you have set limits he cannot exceed. So, pressing that's like, hey, you know, some of these outcomes and stuff, even if they're small, you may start to be mulling it over and saying, does that affect who I am as a person or my value? come to me um so i felt like in that all those things i'm telling you like i felt a lot of burden um to make zero mistakes and still do sometimes but that is like you know to be like hey i want to be the best doctor i can be and i want to be the best dad and the best husband also it's like crap i don't think i can be any of those things <laughs> you know like honestly you know so it's like you know you come home and it's like you're tired and stuff and it's a, doesn't matter if you guys have spouse or kids like there's there's other people in your life there's expectations you know friends and stuff and it's like you want to be the best of all those things you can be um, like that's a heavy burden and then i think then the reality goes is that is that truly what we are called to um, and is that what we you know find again find our value in those things so um but for me like that was like a big you know just a burden that i was carrying on it's like i gotta do all these things how can i do all these things um, and constantly feeling like or, or do fail um, that's the thing there's there's good news um and I think one of the only times Jesus ever describes himself uh, in all the uh, New Testament, that was the Gospels, um, he, he says who he is, but he doesn't describe himself except for saying, uh, I am gentle and humble in heart. So here's the first, Matthew 11, 20 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think that's just a you know beautiful picture then of being able to come to him like man i'm carrying all my burdens i'm trying to do all these things and he's just like come to me because he is humble and gentle in heart uh, his burden's going to be different um but at least for me you know growing up following christ and knowing him then it was like i keep coming back to him and then it started to become this thing that's just like i think he's tired of me coming to him i don't know if any of you guys ever feel that way but you know, it'd be like coming back either for the same mistake or being like, man, that wasn't exactly how I wanted that to go. Or, man, I'm struggling again as a husband or father or something that, you know, and it's like, to me, sometimes I'd expect God to be like, Ryan, you know, <laughs> Dr. Tischler, are you doing that again? You know, <laughs> like, I can't believe it, you know. So that's something I knew up here. that He's a good God. and He's forgiving if we ask for forgiveness. But in here, it wasn't. It was like, you know, I think you're expecting more of me and something better. Um, and so uh, 
this is such a beautiful um, picture on this verse. Um, and there's a, maybe it's up here, there we go. A really good book called Gentle and Lowly Alcohol that I read it by Dane Orland, um, Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. But one of the quotes, he says, you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. And so I love that picture too, because it's one that's just like, man, like, I, I feel like maybe he doesn't want me to come, you know, again and again and again. As this book says, and kind of like that verse is like, when we choose to come to him in our weakness or in our sin or anything, like that actually glorifies him more. It puts him in his right spot, right? Like he is the ultimate um, provider of mercy and grace. And he loves that. That's what it's like. He loves, I, I am gentle and humble heart. Come, come to me. So that's his heart. I think there's another quote I'll get later, but it's like, that's who he was then. He doesn't change. That's who he is now in heaven at the right hand of the father. And so when we come to him, it's not this like, are you sure? You know, are you doing that right? It's like, come to me. It doesn't matter how many times. The more times I can come to him and just say, man, God, I need you this day. Like, this is, this is where I'm struggling, even though it's again a second time. Like, he doesn't grow tired of that. He says, you know, I'm gentle and humble in heart. Come. And so there was definitely a switch for me on some of these things. It's just like, man, I come to him each time I do. It doesn't matter any number of times. Again, that gives him honor and glory. I mean, like, this is, that's who he is. And he loves it, too, instead of being like, um, so, and then here's one quote from that book too. He goes, we cannot present a reason for Christ to finally close off his heart to his own sheep. No such reason exists. Every human friend has a limit. If we offend enough, if a relationship gets damaged enough, if we enough times, we are cast out. Right? The walls go up. So we, that's how we experience friendship. And sometimes that's how we view it. But with Christ, our sins and weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us. Here's another one. This guy named Daniel, Samuel Bolton. It's kind of funny because that's just the way he wrote it. So, but I love this quote too. He goes, we are too big in ourselves when we do well. Too little in Christ our failings. Oh, that we would learn to be nothing in ourselves and our strength and to be all in Christ and our weakness. So I love that quote of just looking. It's like, man, when we are, you know, in our failings and stuff, that it's like sometimes we're too little in him. We're like, man, we need to give everything to him. Uh, so... And then this is from that same book. I love, really love this picture, this story. You guys just listen to, especially as doctors, I think it kind of hits a note. But in that book, he describes, it says, a compassionate doctor has traveled deep in the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe afflicted with a contagious disease. He's had his medical equipment blown in. He's correctly diagnosed the problem. The antibiotics are prepared and available. Independently wealthy, he's got no need for financial compensation. But if he seeks to provide care, the afflicted refuse. They want to take care of themselves. They want to heal on their own terms. Finally, a few brave young men step forward to receive the care being freely provided. What does the doctor feel? Joy. His joy increases to the degree that the sick come to him for help and healing. It's the whole reason he came. How much more if the disease are not strangers, but his own family. So with us, and so with Christ. So we not get frustrated and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon, with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged to the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. So it's tenderness from Jesus is not the severity of sin, but it's spirit coming to him. But I'm like, that's just a beautiful picture. And it's like, being doctors too, it's like, man, we've been there. You know, similar spot. It's like, we want to go even people here to help or go to season stuff. It's like, like that's that's the joy is when they get to, you get to see people get better in there. It's like, that's the picture sometimes. It's like, I don't want to, you know, but it's like, and he gets joy when we're like, let God do what he wants to do. 
motion for David Field. So, all right, light break. Jokes. My wife got mad at me last night because I accidentally overcooked the ribeye. I told her, don't make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was so sad. Yeah. It's like the, the vegetarian joke. It's like a steak. My wife actually dropped the laundry basket. She got mad at me. Because I just stood by and watched it unfold. <laughs> <laughs> do you say these like in front of like do you tell your kids things? Yeah. Like, you and they're just like Yeah, I got a whole list on my phone. <laughs> so, I was like, I was like, man, everything I'm doing is like it's good, you know, but it's pretty heavy, you know. I don't know, at least when I was freaking through it. So I'm like, so I put literally over there, I pull out my phone and just add these in there. Um <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so you know, like at this point, I mean, I, I think again, it's getting that picture that's like, right, we can, we can come to Jesus even if we don't feel like that gives him, him glory, honor when we can come to him and just be like, doesn't matter how many times, but it's it's fresh to come to him. But I think that that kind of goes the next step. It's like, well, what now? I think there's a beautiful picture in Scripture of abiding in him, and a lot of pictures of water and trees, and so kind of walk through some of those. Um, but that, in a, in a sense, too, it's a command where he says to show it to abide in him. So. First one is going to look at Psalm 1, which you guys may know. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. There's that beautiful picture of a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit, doing what it's supposed to do. And it's interesting, too, because in this, there's, there's nothing about it, about doing these, these, you know, achievement things. It's literally like the delight is in the law of the Lord. The one that's delight is in that, in his word, in him, that is going to be the tree planted by streams of water. And similar to Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and real land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Um, that's just a picture, too, of like in the world or even sometimes in our own soul or seasons that we have where it's just like, man, we are in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Our soul is thirsty. It's desiring stuff. And it's like he is the one that is our, our water, our thirst, and the, his love is better than life. One, two, John 7. So on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's beautiful then, too. Jesus says, come to him and drink. And actually on this one, too, then out of us will flow living water. So if I all of us want to have, you know, as believers say, I want to have, I want to live out that life. But, you know, and literally this is just saying, if anyone thirsts, come to me. And that is the prerequisite for saying, out of us is going to flow rivers of living water. And then I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, I think that's a, uh, a really interesting thing to know and to learn. There's a quote um, I had from our his name, uh, but it goes, when it comes to life and godliness, we are helpless on our own. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If we really believed these seven words, they would solve an enormous amount of dysfunction in our hearts and relationships. And so that stuck with me. 
um, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, man, if we knew that better, then how much better would <laughs> relationships be? You know, I think of that too from like just my own relationships with wife and kids or whoever it is, friends, family. It's like actually understand that being like, hey, we kind of sucks to hear that, but <laughs> as much as we want to, as much as we want to try, we want to have live this life in godliness, wise, but literally apart from Jesus, if I try to go and do work, try to do those things, it's like my result is going to be nothing. But whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So I think that that becomes kind of an issue or a parallel. can do nothing and everything. So um, because we really can do nothing on our own, but our desire, like we're following Christ, is like, man, I want to, I want to see fruit. I want to love people. I want to, these are all the things I want to do. So how do we do it too? And that's just the beauty of it. So his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. So, um, so, but God did not leave us to ourselves. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So through faith, God takes our nothing, our utter inability to think, feel, or act in ways that glorify him, and he gives us all things in Christ. Um, so I think it's really just, yeah, again, an interesting spot to settle and of being like, okay, I can truly believe in that and knowing that's like, I, I can do nothing apart from him. Um, that's again, same thing, one thing here that's like, I've heard that, I heard that multiple times, but then letting that travel down the heart and being like, okay, I truly believe that each day. That's like, I can do nothing, you know, it's, well, I can do some, you know, some things. It's like, no, if truly trying to live out this world and this life, like accepting that. But then the truth also is, is we're not stuck here with like we're no good nothings. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So everything I want to do when I'm like, I want to be a godly husband and father. I want to be a godly faculty member. I want to be a godly friend to my patient. Like, I'm going to do all that. Like, that sounds hard. Um, but again, the truth is that he has given us everything we need. So again, same one for me too. That's like for a while it's up here. It's like, okay, yeah, I can ask him and stuff. But then it's like, man, faith and trusting that, that's like, he's going to give us everything we need uh, in life. So whatever you guys are doing too, going out for, for missions or whatever job and stuff it is, it's like, you know, am I good enough? Am I able to? Will I do those things? It's like, this is, this is truth to rest in um, those verses. But I think the interesting on top of that, again, is we're not just sitting back at home being like, all right, God, just give me everything to need for this godly life, you know, <laughs> do it. Um, Cause he adds on that, like verse or two later, he goes, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection. Um, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we get this beautiful picture of us coming to Jesus because we're sinful and broken and him being like, gentle and lowly i'm humble in heart come to me i'll give it to you um and then and going like we can't do anything apart from him but also it's like here's everything that we need to do for godly life and we can keep working on that um that is, working part is not going to be our defining or what we're going to be able to do but but there's still something that says like hey each day is saying like there is effort to say worthwhile in our parts to say how can we build and do this and be active in this so kind of all tied in all this too, and I kind of mentioned it some too, but just trusting it and finding our identity in Christ, because this is all, you know, again, it can all get functioned into being like, hey, what is my outcomes of all this then? Like I'm following Jesus and doing all these things and, and am I seeing these results? Am I seeing these fruits? And it gets easily right back to the performative based, um, at least for me, that it's like, okay, I'm 
all these things happening and stuff, but instead resting, it's like, what is truly our identity? I love the part Exodus um, about that. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? What does God say about who Moses is? Say anything about what God has sent, like I have sent to you. Yeah, he literally says nothing. Yeah, he literally says it's not. He, yeah, he doesn't. Moses is like, who am I that I should go? Like, what about me? You know, who, who am I to go do this? Don't you know me? Like, don't you know I killed somebody? You know, like, don't you know I hit my brother on the head with a hockey stick? You know the sins I've done in secret and in the open. God says it, but God says to him, and he says to us, like, but no, who am I? Exactly right. Because, but, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you brought the people, you shall serve the God's mountain. He doesn't even answer it, you know, um, which I think is scary but amazing and beautiful at the same time. And so, that's something I constantly can consider to think, man. Just knowing my past and history and where He has taken me, still being like, might be the one going out to do, you know, I'm, I'm looking at potentially going on missions field, like completely honest, you know, it's like it's always been something in our heart, but sometimes I still come up like, am I really the one that should be going out there? Who am I to do that? And it's like the prerequisite kind of same thing of coming to Jesus is just like, I'm sinful and broken and I need him. And on this one, it's like, do I trust and believe that he's the one doing it? I will be with you. And so, you know, kind of same thing, whatever you guys are doing here and the next steps going forward, it's like, it's no longer that question of who am I, but it's like, I will be okay. that's, that's our identity. And that goes to the other ones. Anyone that is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. It's, it's done. And see what great love the Father has lavished, us, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. So that is truth. It is our identity. And encouraging you for, for me too for so long being up here, but actually coming down to here, that's like, that is established and set. Nothing, nothing's going to change that no matter how many times you know, I'm trying to do all these productive things and stuff. It's saying that is our identity and who we are. Um, it's good news. <laughs> um, but that kind of goes into that next spot that goes in line with that is truly preaching the truth to ourselves. Cause that's part of this. It's like, we can know all this, but as you guys know, day to day life creeps in. Um, and so I really like this quote by Martin Lloyd Jones. I think our guy, our, um, Tim from Cambodia actually mentioned this one. Because um, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Um, I think that's just a, a beautiful thing. I'm like, man, there's so many times I'm like, I'm just like ruminating and thinking through those things. And it's like, are we telling ourselves the truth instead of just sitting there and being like, working our own dialogue, whatever it is about? That's just like, you know, it could even be positive. You're so good, you know, or it could be bad. Like, I'm terrible. You know, um, and is that is that truth or is that just us listening to ourselves? Are we preaching to ourselves what is true? Psalm 42 says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And this is beautiful too. Like he is preaching to himself. He's like, why are you, why are you down on my soul? Uh, put your hope in God. I will again praise him, my salvation of God. So it starts turning into how can we preach this truth to ourselves? And that's Romans 12, too, where it goes on to say, you know, urge you, brothers, in view of God, mercy, offer your bodies, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that is again a truth of saying I need to do that every day. So it's just one of those that I'm sure you guys have been there in the morning. It's like I, I got clinic all day, and it's like I wake up in the morning. You, know? <laughs> you guys don't feel that ever. You wake up in the morning, gosh, you know, is that really what I want to do today? And I think there's some validity to that at times, but honestly, then it's like, man, you know, that's ourselves sometimes talking to ourselves and those things, but it's like living truth to ourselves in those moments and those times, you know, some of those mornings like that, or those days you get home too, and it's just like, well, crap, that was terrible, you know, like I screwed something up or whatever it is, you know. Um, then are we just again listening to ourselves? Are we going to preach the truth? And so, you know, and that's again, I think, value if you guys aren't, it's hard memorizing scripture, you know, because it's going to be those moments where I, you know, finding some of these things to be able to preach to yourself when those things happen to be like, okay, what is actually true? Because our flesh, the world, Satan, Satan especially hates us. Like he doesn't want, want us to be speaking, seeking truths about ourselves. So, uh, but we have, we have to do that. Um, in line in that too is going to be kind of cultivating our hearts. So again, we're in this, this spot of, of just trusting Jesus and being like, man, he's, we can come to him with our sins and our weaknesses. He can, we can abide with him and be bearing fruit, but it's still our job to kind of be working on these things, to be preaching to ourselves, to be cultivating our hearts. And what does that look like? First um, Thessalonians 5, 16, to give thanks in all circumstances, but this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I really love this quote too. Uh, one of my favorites, John Scott, thankfulness is a soil which pride is not easily grow. Think of that for sin too. Thankfulness is a soil which sin does not easily grow. That's where too hard and hard in residency at times from this. Give thanks in all circumstances, you know. Um, that's a truth, right? Like that's a it's a command um, and a truth in there of like give thanks in all circumstances. So that's again, that's that's starting to cultivate that heart and the soul for when those times come. Um, same thing with this, Tim Challey's in seasons of sorrow. He lost his son that was um, 20 years old. So he wrote this book about it. There, I will, I will grieve but not grumble, mourn but not murmur, weep but not whine. Mm-hmm. So Philippians 2 14, you all think about grumbling and disputing. Um, yeah, that's that's good and that's real life again. You know, like I talked like that hardships. I know some of you personally here have, and if you have an unfortunate world, it's gonna come, you know, <laughs> and it sucks, but that's the world we live in. That's born and, and, and down like that, but that we can say, hey, this is um. But now it's like now's a chance to if it's not like we need to be cultivating our hearts it's it's depositing for the future when we are cultivating this of like am i practicing giving thanks am i practicing doing these things am i trusting in you know in jesus speaking truth into myself so when these things come when those seasons of sorrow do come um when it feels like medicine's not going right and then one of those things happens but i think that's beautiful too just to think on it and i grieve but not grumble more but not forever i think there's a fine line that could be a whole separate thing but that lamenting is different than grumbling. Um, there's like a fine line there where it's like lamenting is us drawing near to God. We can still say, why? I don't understand. Or, man, you know, like, how long, oh Lord, is this going to be? And we see that in scripture. And that crosses into different to grumbling of the Israelites saying, I want to go back to Egypt. This isn't, you know. And so you get this mix of, man, God, I, I need you. I want to draw to you. I don't understand. Herbs, you can say all those things, you know, you can mourn and weep and that's real life. You can do that with your patience. You can do that for yourself, but then being careful, you know, crossing over to the grumbling, murmuring, and whining. That brings us farther away from God. So again, part of this stuff is like 
drawing in near to God, doing all these things, like it is a deposit to say that when it's, when these things happen, a response. Um, oh, I don't know why I stuck it on this slide. It's a great quote. When you look at the glorious older saints in your church, how do you think they got there? Sound doctrine, yes. Resolute obedience, without a doubt. Suffering without becoming cynical, for sure. But maybe another reason, maybe the deepest reasons that they have over time been won over in their deepest affections to a gentle savior. Perhaps they have simply tasted over many years the surprise of a Christ for whom their very sins draw him in rather than push him away. Maybe they have not only known that Jesus loved them, So this is the question kind of long I said there too, kind of like when we're talking about for Exodus, like why would, why would God use someone like me? Um, it's easy for us to fall into that, that line of thinking too, um, on one side of being prideful, the other side of being like, man, why, why would he send me? I know my bad, I know what I've done. Um, am I the right one? But the second thing is again, the truth says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And again, that's the passing again from here down to here. That's just like, man, if he uses to use me and overseas or here anywhere, like that gets me <laughs> to be able to use somebody that's a jar that's cracked or broken or maybe not a beautiful thing. Um, so that's truth. Satan wants to say, yeah, you're right. You do suck. <laughs> God, God can't use you. or doesn't want to use you. Or maybe he wants to puff you up and be like, I don't really need God. I'm going to do great. You know, I think for a lot of times it is like, man, you know, no, but the truth again, is like, we have this treasure to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So how much more beautiful than that he chooses. There's that other verse too. I don't know to put that down here, but like he chooses the weak of the world to shame the wise, right. And to stumble on the, stumble the strong. So it's like, why does he do that? It's like, man, how much more glory and honor can it be? You know, somebody that's like, Hey, you're going to kill your brother and then be, gentle later like that's him doing it you know not, nobody else and so it's like why why would you do that except to bring him glory and honor hey welcome Hi. time for dad jokes all right yesterday i called my landlord i said i got a leak in the sink i'm not judging <laughs> of all the inventions in the past hundred years the dry erase board has got to be the most remarkable uh, all right so, so kind of went from there from being like man why, why would god use someone like me to how could god use someone like me so i love this one i may have sorry i may have done this multiple times on some of the morning uh intern rounds with uh ob rounds so sorry if this is repeat i just i love it on two six there are six stone water jars there for the jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons jesus said the servants fill the jars with water Build them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out, take it to the master of the feast. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from, for the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine. I think this story is, is a, just a beautiful picture. Like, why, why did Jesus have the servants do what they did? Right, like Jesus, right? Couldn't he just been like, "Ooh, wine"? <laughs> like, why not? Like, he's not he's not restricted by that. 
you know, let's do this thing of like, yeah, fill the jars with water. Can you imagine being one of those servants too, just being like, <laughs> like they said we need wine and you're wanting me to go fill this with water. And then too, I don't even know, I guess we don't know when we're eating this, but draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Can you imagine if it hadn't looked like wine yet too? <laughs> putting it in there, you know? But it did, it did happen and it did work. Um, and I think this is a beautiful picture for us to know that that we feel and know and feel like at times that God is asking us to produce wine in our lives and the world around us and our patience, right? I want to see them come to know Jesus. I want to see all these, I want to see all these fruits. And that's what we want to do and we want to see. And, and the true picture is Jesus is like, hey, just go, go fill it with water. Go do, go just be faithful and do this. Nothing else. And so at times it feels like when we when you were talking with patients or sharing other things where it's like, it feels like I just threw some water on that person, you know, like, I don't know if that's going to stick. <laughs> Take it, God. But that's, that's amazing. And that's the true thing. The problem is when we go to the water, we kind of maybe have that spot that's like, I don't know, God, don't they want wine? You want me to put water? I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. You know, um, should we be going looking for wine? Should we be doing all these things? But I think the faithfulness is, is trusting Jesus when he says to do these things and, and to trust him in these things. So, um, and I think it's a beautiful reminder for me of those times with the patience, even it's just like, and it feels like you're growing a little bit of water with just this prayer or bringing up this thing. But that's the trust and hope, too. It's like when we are faithful in those little things, it is God that does that. We feel like we're just throwing this little bit off, and it's like it's wine inside of them. It's life. And it's like, what the heck happened? That's the message that we need to use next time. It's like it's God that does it. So, but that's a beautiful, that's a weight off. All we got to do is just be faithful in some of those things, and God does that. Uh, same thing in 2 Corinthians, but I'll jump down to the bold spot. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The same thing. It's like, man, they're being blinded and stuff, but it's his light that shines through, and we don't really know when, but we're faithful in, in, in loving and preaching the word. And same thing with Philippians 2, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Beauty in all this is we know we know the end. So, you know, summarizing a little bit, you know, on there is just again just being willing to be like, man, you know, coming to Jesus, He is not tired of you coming to Him. He's not sick of you guys coming and being like, I need Him, and I encourage you to just do it more because <laughs> I that's what I was working on too. It's just like I need to come to Him more um, because again, He loves it. That's who He is. He's humble and lowly, and will forgive. And in that too, then then abide. You know, be willing to be like, I'm going to, I can't do anything without him. I'm going to be willing to stick, stick to him and stick with him because there's going to be no fruit outside of it. And then working on just cultivating. It does, it does mean like, yeah, like, you know, someone's verse said, like, we got to, we got to take that and start, start doing some stuff, be faithful. And even if they're little things like that, like pouring water in there, um, like it's going to be set amazingly. But amidst all this too, like in this life, beautiful that we know in the end, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Former things have passed away. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. 
They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is truth. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys that if you want to preach, preach that truth. That, knowing that, and the reminder is there. It's just like, man, you know, hardship comes or patience or any of those things. It's like, this is, this is true. So hopefully, you know, one of those things or some of these things can be encouraging you guys to, to lean into God, lean into Christ in the season two of residency, and, and also what's coming next for some of you guys. It's like, you know, you don't know what's coming next, but this is, this is truth to lean into. So um, yeah, if any of those quotes do anything in there, um, I'm happy to send to you. Like, hey, that's one. Um, or if there's more dad jokes, I can send them to you. <laughs> any of the thoughts or anything? Otherwise, that's. So we have um, one more speaker um, this afternoon, but kind of we got a bit of a break. So if you, 